0: Today's episode is brought to you by In Harvest, spearheading delicious innovation on school menus with rice and rice blends and intact whole grains in harvest the perfect partner for schools looking to implement the whole grains requirement in creative new ways for more information visit inharvest.com i'm linda palacio host of a taste of the past you're listening to heritage radio network broadcasting live from bushwick brooklyn if you like this program visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more Good morning and welcome to Inside School Food on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Laura Stanley, back with another episode of News and Shop Talk for K-12 nutrition professionals and other school food insiders. Um, before I launch into today's topic, I'm going to say at the top of the show what I usually say for the end, um, just to make sure everyone hears it. Um, we recently did some analysis of listener data for our last season, which ended in december and wow we've got lots of you listening now from all over the nation so you know we are thrilled and honored to be serving so many and um, And hundreds of you have answered our call to let us know who you are um, by signing up for our newsletter or by following our news feeds on Facebook or Twitter. Um, So if you've done that already, thank you so much. Um, And if you haven't, now is the time. It's so easy. Um, And it it really is a huge help to us. Go to InsideSchoolFood.com and connect to us with a click. Um, While you're there, you can also subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher, and then you will never miss an episode. Um, Okay, today I am super excited to introduce a terrific project that I've been watching ever since the launch of Inside School Food two years ago. Uh, The California Culinary Centers are an ace team of 18 school districts distributed throughout the state, uh, all the way from Chico Unified in the far northeast to Ensenada's Union, way down to the south. Um, And for five years, these districts served as peer mentors to other districts um, statewide, uh, functioning much in the way USDA's Team Up for Nutrition um, Success does now. Um, they called themselves the California Ambassadors, and the program was, in fact, a prototype for Team Up. So that's another instance of California spearheading the way for school nutrition nationally. Uh, the, the culinary districts, uh, or rather, the culinary center districts, are now focused on res- the recipe database that we're going to talk about today. Um, it's a fantastic resource, it's a big and growing collection developed by school cooks. For school cooks and um, some of those cooks have actually been high school students and we'll be talking more about that in the second half of today's show uh, but first we're going to speak with Sandy Kerwood um, Sandy has been a culinary center leader from the get-go. Uh, First from her post as Food and Nutrition Services Director for Ventura Unified, where she served for 12 years, and now from the Caneo Valley uh, Unified School District, where uh, she... Um, is the uh, Director of Childhood Nutrition Services since uh, 2013. Sandy is a registered dietitian, and currently she's pursuing a doctorate in hospitality management. So, Sandy, hi. Welcome to Inside School Food.
1: Hi, good morning, Laura. How are you?
0: I'm good, and I'm really happy to be finally uh, profiling this project. Um, I, I, but I want to start with a few words about your personal history. It's kind of different. Um, you entered school nutrition as a parent activist, and that's something we don't see too much. Can you just like, quickly tell us how that happened?
1: Uh, sure. Um, as you mentioned, I was a registered dietitian, and I've um, been a food service director for many years um, prior to entering school. And I'd worked in a variety of um, Healthcare and food service settings, you know, college, airline catering, uh, restaurants, both public and private sector. Um, but being the mom of three, when uh, my children, uh, particularly my oldest, entered middle school, I was really concerned with the types of foods that were being served, um, especially things that were being sold to kids. So um, I became the PTA president, and I thought, well, this would be a great opportunity to advocate for, you know, how to raise funds without having to do with unhealthy food. Mm -hmm. And I became very interested in that. And when a position came open as a school food service director, I thought I could make a bigger impact um, and that is the work I've been doing ever since.
0: So that's that's nice for your parents because you've been on the other side. Um, so that's that's a, that's an interesting story. And I know that you were um, a, an early pioneer in farm to school, um, in taking inspiration from Rodney Taylor in Santa Monica. You know, when you were doing that back in the mid two thousands, weren't you?
1: Yeah, we started um, when I went to Venture Unified in two thousand and one. Um, I had also had a background um, I in. Uh, environmental issues, and I had worked in my community really on land use and interested in local seasonal fresh foods. So when I went to Ventura, um, I met a I met Rodney Taylor, and he had just started a, a couple years prior his farm to school work. And Ventura County is a very agricultural community. So we launched our farm to school program um, at Ventura Unified at that time, and we were about the fifth or sixth in the country mm-hmm. um, to have farm to school. Um, Our work not only was about getting local fresh seasonal produce into the schools, but it was also about connecting school gardens with the curriculum,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: um, teaching kids to eat healthy in the classroom and making those curricular um, and food connections um, across uh, the grade levels and across the garden, to the cafeteria, to the classroom.
0: Yeah, so I, I, I just want to, I love your origin story, so thank you for telling <laughs> us about it. Awesome. But, but let's, let's delve into today's topic, which is the Culinary Center's um, recipe database, um, which is officially called the Fresh Meals uh, Recipe Collection. Um, you know, it's, it's online, it's available to all. You know, when you open it up, what do you see?
1: Uh, when you open up, you have an option um, to look at either directly to the recipes by menu category. You can look at what district developed the recipe, and also you can look at the tools that were used to um, actually uh, develop the recipes and the process that was used, and even follow that same process uh, for districts that want to maybe tweak recipes that they're using. So it's a very user-friendly website. It's um, at the CaliforniaHealthyKids.org. And as you mentioned, the program's called Fresh Meals at Schools.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's a bunch, and you're still adding. So it's like, is it you're at 140 recipes right now?
1: Yeah, we have 140 recipes, and as you mentioned, um, 18 school districts participated, um, and the school food service directors, along with their chefs and their staff, their students, um, and even I think some um, community members, really helped uh, develop the, the concepts and and help um make the recipes very user friendly and and realistic.
0: Mm-hmm. Well so user friendly realistic are one of the goals but you you have some other goals that, I mean, all of the goals for this are, are, are really important, but one thing that really strikes me when I'm going through the collection is, first of all, how many dishes um, are not are so atypical for school food and also how culturally diverse they are, um, and yet they've been student tested. We know that they work with kids or else they wouldn't be there, so um, tell us, you know, what's on there that's, that's new and exciting, that, that, you know, that works.
1: Well, I think what's interesting, um, as you mentioned, the, the districts are from all over the state, but they're also from all different types of districts, both small, medium, and large districts, <coughs> urban, suburban, and rural settings, um, different production capacities. You know, some have, you know, great kitchens. Others have limited resources in terms of, of, of staff and um, equipment. So the recipes really looked at what is, what is that community um, about. I think, first of all, kids. These, these are very global. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of food experience, but yet they don't have necessarily well-developed palates. So when you look at what's in season and then you connect that with what is culturally relevant mm-hmm. and also opportunities to open their eyes. Um, different districts have uh, different cultural backgrounds um, in their populations. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a great opportunity to kind of bring those in. For example, Alameda um, did some really interesting things. With both Middle Eastern food as well as some Asian recipes, mm-hmm. um, things like um, sushi using uh, USDA catfish. So it sounds, um, you know, like wow, would kids really eat that? Well, kids really do, mm-hmm. um, because it's delicious, it's fresh, um, and you know, it speaks to them and it engages them in the process. So I think those were all things um, making it um, culturally relevant. Which is an education opportunity, Mm -hmm. also making it fresh um, and tasty.
0: And what what are some other dishes that are kind of out there? I I remember seeing a dish that was uh, based on a Filipino recipe, um, and you mentioned Middle Eastern. What are what are yeah the
1: um uh, I think it's called bimbop. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was not a a recipe that um, I was familiar with, Mm -hmm. um, but there are. we did a margarita pizza. Mm-hmm. So you take that basic pizza, uh, you make a um, marinara with uh, USDA foods, but also adding fresh ingredients like fresh basil from the garden. Mm-hmm. Um, that and chopped fresh tomatoes that really um, you know really steps it up the recipe. Um, sandwiches like a beef torta, which would be you know a more uh, Mexican uh, cuisine, yeah. Caribbean turkey pita. Um, and also vegetarian um, alternatives, so that um, kids do have um, some choices.
0: Right, vegetarian is is popular. When we when we talk to um, Vince later, we're going to hear about um, Meatless Monday in, in his district. I know that's popular throughout California. So you've got a whole um, category there. Um, can you, are there any like good veggie dishes you recommend in particular in the collection?
1: Um. A lot of the salads are um, great complements of um, beans and grains, and those are great uh, protein Mm -hmm. complements, which really speaks to kids, like um, chickpea chickpea vegetable and brown rice salad. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful, it's colorful, and it's very tasty. Uh, We do a uh, vegetarian mock fried rice that has, uh, you can either put, if you want to make it a meat dish, you could add chicken, or you could use tofu. And uh, it has edamame and carrots and broccoli. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these dishes, you can change out the seasonal vegetables and um, keep it in season so that it's local, seasonal, and culturally relevant
0: mm-hmm.
1: it is a really nice way to um, enhance your farm-to-school program. All
0: right. So it, it took a long time for you to coordinate the efforts of all these different people. I and mean, really, there's dozens of cooks involved from the 18 districts. And um, so it was, it was sort of a, a project with a lot of moving parts. You told me um, that... And I quote you here: Recipe development is not the same as cooking. Can you you know unpack what that meant?
1: You know. Yes. So um, you know anybody? Well, I shouldn't say anybody, but most people can you know take a recipe and follow that. But to develop a recipe, especially one that is standardized, so that no matter who makes it in what setting, you uh, yield the same results, mm-hmm. um, is very different. And so um, we spent a lot of time. So someone would come up with a recipe idea, they would test it but then they had to analyze it, so you would have to um, analyze it for nutrient content and contribution to the meal program mm-hmm. because the recipe is only as good as meeting the guidelines. Um, so then you have to go back and test it on the students, make sure that it's you know, the flavor profile that appeals to them, and then you have to go back and do that again mm-hmm. so that it looks great, the, re- the instructions make sense, that it meets the guidelines, um, and that it's kid approved. So that is a, a, a lengthy process to standardize, you know, 18 school districts with a variety of equipment and capacities um, and make that so that any district um, could use that recipe uh, with the same results.
0: And were you, were you testing across recipes? So, you know, Chico would, you know, develop one dis, uh, recipe and a different district would, 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 you know, serve it to their kids that that happen?
1: Oh, so what? Yeah, what we did well when we originally developed the recipes, each district kind of did their own testing, and but then we started saying, "Hey, that's a good, that recipe looks really great. Can I test it?" Mm-hmm. And then we would take it and and test it um, with our own students. And as the recipes developed over a few years, we integrated those recipes into um, our menu. For example, the um, uh, green chili pork uh, chili verde burrito. Mm-hmm. Um, is become one of our kids' favorites
0: across the state.
1: So, uh, well, for in our district, okay, okay. Um, but I've seen other school districts, um, you know, do different recipes, like the Rockin' Moroccan stew. Um, that Jen Girard developed in Monterey yeah. um, is a is a real fun one. Uh, so the kids the kids like the the fun names. Yeah, and some of the recipes like our our chicken curry in a hurry mm-hmm. um, also works well for catering because it's it's a little bit more um, upscale and. Um, and appeals to adults as well.
0: I love those names, curry in a hurry, in Moroccan. Okay, that's good. Um, you know, Sandy, what's, what's interesting here is that there really are a lot of parallels to the story of the, your, the development of your recipes to another collection that we profiled um, in late 2014, which was coming out of Vermont, and it was the same thing. So many school cooks um, had to kind of come up with a consistent protocol um, that would work in a variety of settings, um, and then testing across different districts to make sure it wasn't just in one place that it would it would work out. They had to work on not just nutrient analysis in USDA uh, meal compliance, but HACCP protocol. You know, there's just so many details that don't you know come up in a conventional cookbook, even even one that's for uh, for food service professionals that are not in public schools, right?
1: Yeah, very true.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so I know that you're getting a lot of calls from, from people who are using these. They're not all necessarily coming from California. And what are you hearing about them, and what kind of questions do they have when they contact you about the collection?
1: Uh, yeah, it's interesting because I think one of the things that resonate um, across the country is recipes that are a little different, mm-hmm. um, that have been kid-tested, and that have the um, Department of Education approval. Um, So not only do they get the, yes, you know, the peers have tried it, so there's a sense of trust, um, but also it has the credibility and support from the Department of Education so that they know that they meet the guidelines. Mm -hmm. And that just takes one um, or two or three (laughs) for, um, you know, things off the plate of the director to have to, um, you know, you can be innovative um, on the shoulders of someone else, and you don't have to start everything from scratch. So. I think that has been one of the, um, the benefits of, of the project. And also the way I think why, one reason why people call is if they have a different type of production system. For example, Centralia and Conejo, we have a um, central kitchen, and Riverside has a central kitchen, but Riverside you know serves 30,000 kids.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and where Centralia is about five and we're about 15. So different size districts and different production styles and different staff training, sometimes directors have questions about that. How did you bring your staff up to speed? You know, how did you source some of these ingredients? Um, How did you um, do this when you know you're going to pack, chill, and re-therm? So, you know, different production styles lend themselves to different techniques and sometimes people just like to discuss
0: that. Well, it's so neat you're there to take those calls. And now now you're going to get more calls because we're telling <laughs> really the world that you're there. So I, I hope that's okay. That's uh, great. We're all in this together. That's that's why I love school food. Well, Sandy, thank you so much for sharing the inside story. This is really an important new resource. Um, and there is a link on today's <coughs> show page. Um, but for folks hearing this um, <coughs> off of iTunes or Stitcher, uh, remember that the URL is uh, fresh meat org, and from that page, you can select Fresh Meals Recipes, which is at the bottom of the menu to the left. Uh, this is Inside School Food. We have been speaking with Sandy Kerwood, who is Director of Childhood Nutrition Services for the Conejo Valley Unified School District in Thousand Oaks, California. Um, after station break, we visit with Natomas Unified School District, where high school students help develop dishes for the uh, Fresh Meals database. So stay with us. Ready to get creative with whole grains? USDA's new rules credit a delicious spectrum of options that are new to school food, from many varieties and colors of rice to intact grains like wheat berries, quinoa, and barley. Don't know where to start? In Harvest is here to help. Their K-12 chef, Colleen Donnelly, is at the ready with training strategies and menu solutions that she can adapt to your setting, your kitchens, your budget, your staff, and your students' preferences. With In Harvest as your partner, excite your customers with multicultural whole grain rice bowls, pilafs, cold grain salads, and shaker salads. Jazz up breakfast with yogurt parfaits made with In Harvest Sunrise Blend, a high-protein mix of ancient wheat, buckwheat groats, red rice, quinoa flakes, and whole brown flaxseed. In Harvest, cultivating healthy preferences for whole grains at school, for life. For more information, visit InHarvest.com. Welcome back on today's Inside School Food, the story behind a fabulous and free online recipe database for school meals created by school cooks, four school cooks, and we're about to ha- learn how in one district, some of these school cooks are customers, too, um, and they're having a ball in the kitchen. Um, so we have two guests on the line from Natomas Unified School District in Sacramento. Um, Vince Coggan is Director of Nutrition Services, and Rachel Relador is a senior at um, Inderkum High School. Uh, Before coming to Natomas four years ago, Vince served as department chair at Le Cordon Bleu in um, Los Angeles, where he developed culinary academic curriculum. Um, Rachel has just been accepted at California Polytechnic State U, or known in California, Cali Pali, and she is considering a double major in sports and nutrition science, um, inspired, inspired in part by her experience as a member of um, Intercoms Culinary Club. So Vince and Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to have you. You there, Rachel? Yes, I am. Good Hi. morning. You us. Good morning. So Vince, let's start with you. Just tell us a little bit about your district. Uh, for, for, for starters, how big is it?
3: So our district is about fourteen thousand students. Um, in two thousand nine, I think New York Times uh, rated us the second most diverse uh, district in the nation. So we have a little bit of everything mm-hmm. be, uh, with the with student population here.
0: Right, right. And um, what is your f- free reduce rate? Excuse me. What is your free and reduced rate?
3: So our free and reduce is uh, I. Fifty-five percent.
0: Yeah, so you're in that. There, you're in that middle place. So you really do have to concern yourself with your participation. Um, so Vince, you know, how have the menus changed since you joined the district? You've been there for four years now.
3: So, in four years, it's slowly transitioning into more speed, scratch cooking, um, and we're growing our farm to fork program mostly through uh, California Farm to Fork. The mayor named us. Farm before Capital of the Nation. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, we're a California Thursday district. Um, But otherwise than that, what I like about the menus, as I look back at it, is I see and I have stories of the the meals and how we develop them with students. Mm -hmm. So as students graduate, as students move up, um, I can remember going to a club meeting or going to a student council meeting or do a catering event and how those meals that they serve or they pitch end up on the menu.
0: Right. So that's that's what we really want to, uh, you know, hone in on here. It's really an interesting process you have for um, involving students, you know, way more deeply than the kind of things like taste testing that we, we hear a lot about. And it all um, flows from the culinary club. So, Rachel, um, tell us about the, the club. Who, who's in it and when do you meet?
4: So I'm um, our culinary club at Intercom High School. So we have we started off as just a you know bunch of students doing science projects and on uh, culinary based projects. And then today, you know, we've grown into a club about fifteen to twenty like active members. And we meet every Thursday, some of the stuff we've done in the past is we've um, cooked for the Capitol, we've um, cooked at uh, board meetings for a district, and we've also done things like California Thursday when we're at the Capitol, and then we've just you know, been active, helping um, helping around the district and doing events for our school as well.
0: Right. When you say you're cooking at the Capitol, I know that you've been involved in uh, promoting California Thursdays and basically making it official. So that's that's been a nice experience for you. Uh, on a more regular basis, you, you are actually catering certain um, events in the school district, like teachers meetings and the Honor Society Talent Show and, and stuff. Do you, um, you know, do you make money on your catering gigs?
4: Um, it depends on the event, so one of the things that we've done is, um, like, we voluntarily cook for the um, for board member, or for um, faculty at our school once a month. Mm-hmm. So that is, um, definitely, we don't make any money off of that, but we, you know, we're just doing it to our appreciation for teachers. And then some of the other things we've done is, like, um, at, like, the National Honor Society event I was talking about, mm-hmm. um, we... Uh, we get some of the profit for that because we um we're also um collaborating with national honor society, so the proceeds, some of those go to them, and then the rest um, that we make for some of the food goes towards us and just promoting our club um right. throughout the school
0: mm-hmm. and then um as as you and Vince explained to me the the main kind of um you know avenue for developing um dishes that eventually end up in the USDA uh, lunch program in your district, is this thing called the Tiger Cafe? Um, tell me, tell me what that is. That's a that's four times a year. What what happens at the Tiger Cafe?
4: So at our Tiger Bazaar at our school. So we have um, so there's these set days at our school where um, every like all these different clubs and um, different programs in our school are allowed to sell uh, food. That's not um, you know under school
0: regulations and everything, right? So uh, re- regulation free, so it's like a free day.
4: Yeah. So on those set days, um, we get to our club. Personally, we get to uh, come up with recipes and uh, try these different um, foods that we think you know students might like in the future. And you know, as of right now, you know they're not under like we said school regulations. But it has helped us develop them into recipes that you know we could have later on in the future. So yeah. Um, Some of the things we've tried are, like, Hawaiian barbecue plates, and um, we had carne asada fries. And then recently we just tried um, some chicken alfredo pasta. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah so I, I think it 's a neat process because basically you 're free to exercise you know your creativity and then, um, and then Vince and his team work with you to do something that uh, we, we call schoolifying so so taking these dishes um, that might be a little bit high in sodium or fat or whatever the issue is, and they tinker with them so um, Vince I, I, you know I wonder if who can tell me how that process works. Rachel mentioned the um, Hawaiian plate lunch, for instance, which is not a meal I think of as being, you know, particularly um, USDA compliant. It's got macaroni, it's got rice, there's like not a lot of vegetables going on, but it's wonderful. So what did you do with the students' Hawaiian plate lunch to make it work in a school lunch setting?
3: So I, we took that dish, and I like it because that dish sold out. So it lets me know someone someone's playing the menu, student, students love um, that dish profile. Mm-hmm. So we schoolify it, as you say, and doing things like uh, trying to source a, a USDA commodity meat or a local meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, they served it with um, white, um, white rice, which we'll serve with local brown rice. Mm-hmm. that's a little bit sticky. And then the macaroni salad, if it fits within the, uh, the regulations, we're looking into a whole grain macaroni Mm -hmm. and serving it with uh, shredded cabbage as a bed. So not only am I taking their um, dish that they pitched and that they sold they like, but definitely trying to fit it within regulations, packaging, costs
0: etc. Yeah, it's pretty creative and, and it's the first time I've ever heard of a Hawaiian plate lunch on um, on the menu in schools. <laughs> That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you mentioned some other dishes that aren't really popular that, that started with your students, the barbecue chicken slugger with rice and for that one you're using um, the local Mary's chicken grown without antibiotics. Can you tell me how that dish kind came of to, came to be?
3: Yeah, another, another Tiger Bazaar event. Um, our motto is um, we can't beat them where food trucks are coming and they're coming out with uh, non-regulated food. Mm-hmm. Uh, we joined them, so we took our barbecue out and we said, let's do something a little unconventional. Let's, let's barbecue this chicken, put it over a better rice, serve it with some, uh, some corn. It was school compliant and um, it was just an idea and it sold out, so definitely from there, We uh, helped develop it with the culinary club, Mm -hmm. schoolified it, and put it on the menu. And it's one of our Culinary Center recipes.
0: Yeah, it's great. Um, It's on the website. Um, And then, you know, I learned about your program um, when um, we first were in touch, and you told me about your quinoa tabbouleh, and there was a pretty deep culinary club involvement in getting that recipe to work with kids. Can you tell me about that?
3: Yeah, so that one, what I like about that dish is it takes on the the students and staff's um, personalities. It's it's their dish. They came up with it. Um, definitely, the quinoa is a good whole it's a way to get a whole grain in. Mm-hmm. And working with the, the bully just chopping up parsley, and then getting the flavor profiles in there.
2: Mm-hmm. We
3: hear things. I, I walk into one of the development um, meetings and. They're saying things like hey, it needs more um, acid mm-hmm. or what if we chilled it a little bit longer and I mean, these are things that high school students are
0: saying yeah, and they're communicating it back to you and your staff so so that's yeah. it sounds like a pretty deep involvement in um not just developing the uh, recipes from the beginning but adapting them for for school um and i understand that you you kind of run the new ones through your smaller supper program to see how they'll fly before you go into full production so that sounds like a, a sort of extra measure of security right that's correct. Yeah, good. That's so just good thinking. Um, so Rachel, when you know, once once your creations, you know, your plate lunch and your popcorn chicken with mashed potato bowl and black bean taco salad, that you know, these are things you created. Once they're schoolified, um, do you would you say the club chefs are happy with the outcome, or do they, you know, do they sort of not taste quite right to you?
4: Um, as a club, well, some of the um, suggestions that previous members have made, you know, they don't get they don't actually get to see it because one of the members like they've graduated but um oh, yeah, right. no once you do it <laughs> um, but it definitely is um, you know really a um, uh, great seeing you know seeing our recipes that we've you know inspired in a school menu even though you know it doesn't taste exactly the same mm-hmm. it has to be under um, school of five but You know, it's definitely something that we like to see because, you know, it's our suggestions going into the school menu.
0: Yeah, yeah. And do you think that um, students who are not in the Culinary Club are aware that these dishes originated with the club, that they're, you know, developed by their peers? And do you think that makes them more popular is my second question?
4: Yeah, I think it does, definitely, to see something. um, And we could definitely promote the, you know, saying that we as Culinary Club have inspired them, so... And they're usually something that um, that we've tried out during, like, tiger bazaars where, you know, they're really popular, so seeing these dishes definitely makes them um, a lot more um, palatable for the students and something that, We, um, that we definitely
0: enjoy. Yeah, yeah. So, another, you know, possible way to bring up participation. I I think, Vince, it's ingenious, and, um, these students are having a lot of fun. And, and Rachel, I understand you're not the only person in the club who's considering some kind of career in nutrition or culinary arts as a result of their experience, right? Yeah, there's,
4: um, there's, we have some underclassmen who are definitely enjoying the club and, I think that they would think about going into the food industry after, you know, their experience here. So it's mm-hmm. definitely giving them some background into uh, what it's like to work in the food industry and, you know, back uh, some culinary arts experience. So I think that in the future they would definitely like to go into something like this and maybe doing it as a side career.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. Well, Vince and Rachel, you really are both to be congratulated on making this kind of intensive um, student collaboration with food service um so successful. It's a a terrific model. And uh, thank you for joining us today to tell us about it. Thank you. Um, you have been listening you to goodness, Vince. Please. Yeah, uh, you've been listening to Vince Kagan and Rachel Relador from Natoma's Unified School District in San Diego. Uh, Vince is food service director, and Rachel is one of his student partners in recipe development from Indurcum High School Culinary Club. Um, this is Inside School Food, and with the launch of this spring season, we are entering our third year on the air with Heritage Radio Network and. I have to say, during all this time, I've been very remiss in not giving a shout-out to the talented, indispensable people in the engineer's booth who make us sound so good on the air. So they've never complained, but today I want to give thanks to uh, today's engineer, Heritage Radio executive producer Jack Inslee. And a- also, a big thank you and welcome to In Harvest, who joins us today as a sponsor for the first time. I- I've been a huge fan of their uh, progressive work in school food for years, so it's an honor to have them aboard. Uh, next week, are you thinking of moving to a food court model in your high schools? Uh, if you are, you won't want to miss our conversation with two experts in this increasingly a popular approach to school food service. I'm Laura Stanley, and I am looking forward to having you you back.
2: Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.